0: And thanks for listening. My name is Eric Barkovsky. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. And I have to tell you, I can be absolutely insufferable at times. Um, I was reminded of this recently. This week, as I was beginning to think a little bit about um, this service, a few years ago, I was planning a similar service in early December with one of our volunteer music leaders who were picking out songs. And as you might expect, with it being December and Christmas approaching, this, this uh, friend of mine was suggesting some Christmas songs. He said, why don't we do this Christmas carol, or maybe we could try that Christmas carol in our worship set. And I, um, su- I summoned up all of the smugness and religious pedantry that I could, and I responded to him. Um, Actually, it's still Advent. To which he should have said, Actually, you're an intolerable person. <laughs> he didn't because he's kind. Um, and and I, so I was thinking about that a little bit because actually, it's not Advent today. And yet, here we are at City Church leaning into Advent. We're doing that uh, partly because of the way the calendar falls and. Um we, we miss a Sunday of Advent because uh, Christmas Eve is on uh, Sunday this year. and um, But I, I thought Val, our administrator, actually put it best of why we're starting Advent a week early. It's because, as we say around City Church on occasion, all of life is Advent. Now, maybe you've never heard that before. What does that mean, all of life is Advent? Well, all of life is filled with longing. All of life is filled with waiting for Jesus to return, for Jesus to come and to set all things right. And so this season of Advent here at City Church gives us a taste of that before Christmas. And I realize that some of you who walked in here this afternoon, maybe you've never heard of Advent before. Maybe you've never been a part of a church that um, observes Advent. Well, I think you're in in for a treat this year at City Church because it's a time where we get to, to sit and prepare ourselves for the good news of Christmas. And the way that we're going to enter into the idea of Advent this year is through what is one of the classic Advent songs of the church. We sang it earlier, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And uh, if you have been around the church a little bit, you'll you'll probably know what Emmanuel means. It's one one of the few Hebrew words that you know, right? It means God with us. And that's the idea that we're going to talk about over the next four Sundays, because I think that this phrase, God with us, in a lot of ways, tells the entire story of the Bible. It tells us the entire story of God's love for his people. And just those three words, God with us. And so today, we're going to start with this simple truth of God with us from the start. And we're going to turn to the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, and we're going to see how God is with us even there. So if you have a Bible with you today, open up to Genesis 28. I'm going to read a few verses here. These words are also printed in your worship guide, and you're welcome to follow along there. So this is Genesis 28. I'm going to read verses uh, 10 through 17 for us. It says this, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father, we have sung already asking that Jesus would come. Come, come to us. And now we pray in a similar way, asking that your spirit would come. Come, come to us. Open our eyes to your word. Open our hearts to the truth of your presence with us and open our lives to being images of your great love and rescue to others we pray this in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen so did you catch in these verses from genesis 28 this theme of god with us of emmanuel the clearest place is probably verse 15 it uses that language look again at verse 15 it says behold i am with you and will keep you wherever you go i am with you i will not leave you until i have done all that i have promised even in the life of the patriarchs the earliest uh, men and women in the bible god makes this promise i am with you it becomes a theme throughout the whole book But to understand why God says this to Jacob in Genesis 28, we have to understand a little bit of the context. So I want you to look back to verse 10. And verse 10 is just this simple statement of almost stage directions, right? It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And yet in that phrase, there is half a lifetime of pain. Because if we took the time to look back at the preceding chapters and learn a little bit about this man Jacob, what we would see is that in this moment, in verse 10 of Genesis 28, Jacob's on the run. He is alone and he is afraid. He doesn't have a wife and he's leaving the the area that he had known. He's leaving Beersheba where God had appeared to his people. And he's heading out to an unknown place. What Jacob's discovering at this point is that uh, up until this point, he has lived his life by trickery and by deceit, by grabbing after things that don't rightly belong to him. And now he's reaping the fruit of that life. He feels alone and he feels scared and he doesn't know where he's headed. Jacob, we could say, is in a moment of crisis. And I think that what Jacob represents for us, his situation is the human situation. His situation is our situation, right? Life up to this point had left him feeling alone and abandoned. And how easy is it for all of us when we begin to feel that way? is to take one step further i think a step that jacob most likely took and said not only am i abandoned by people and abandoned by god but i am actually abandonable i'm the type of person that people ought to leave i'm the type of person that god ought to leave alone and afraid and scared can you identify at all with jacob's situation is there a time in your life where you have felt that, uh, that ache of being alone? I remember the first time I ever felt it significantly. The first time that I remember, I was in second grade, and I, I was confident that I was okay to stay home alone at that point. But after about an hour or so of my mom and my sisters being gone, clearly I was not okay to be alone at that point. And I remember our house at the time uh, had these big, glass windows and they overlooked this hill on the road that um, brought cars up to our street and I remember looking out that window just hoping and hunting for my mom's car to deal with that feeling of loneliness and fear Uh, maybe for you it came much later right maybe that sense of loneliness came when you went to college maybe it came when you moved into your own apartment And it was meant to be filled with so much excitement and joy, and you had a job, but you never felt so alone before. Maybe it came when she broke up with you, or when he left and didn't come back. Maybe that feeling is close to home because you felt it this past week, this past weekend, and you were gathered around a table filled with conversation and with laughter, but you never felt more alone than you did at that moment looked around at your family or your friends and you said i don't even feel like i belong with these people right loneliness can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes but it's the central component to our human existence isn't it there's a writer from last century named thomas Wolfe, and he said this that uh, he came to believe that the central an undeniable feature of human existence was loneliness. Loneliness. And here's the thing, it's not COVID that caused it. It's not our iPhones that caused loneliness. It comes from within. It comes from the fact that we carry sin and brokenness inside of us. And life east of Eden is life lived far from God far from this idea of God being with us and in fact many of us most of our days what we carry around is the withoutness of life it's far louder in our ears and in our minds and in our hearts than the promise of God being with us That's the context from which this whole passage starts, and I know it's it's not a fun one to talk about, but I think we have to enter into that reality to understand the promise that comes. Because in verse 12, we begin to see uh, the clouds breaking a little bit. Verse 12, it says, and Jacob dreamed. And dreams throughout Genesis are these signs of God's presence. It's the way he communicates with the people he loves. And so he begins to dream. And his dream is this gift of uh, what's familiar to many of us, Jacob's ladder. There's only one problem with our translation or understanding of uh, of Jacob's ladder. Because we climb up ladders. That's what we're accustomed to. But the whole point of this dream, the whole image here is not of us. It's not of Jacob climbing up. It's of God coming down. It's really like this this pyramid that God would descend to get near to the people that he loves. That's the dream that he's given. And and as Jacob sees this dream, then a voice from heaven begins begins to speak to him. And at first, this voice is uh, saying things that are familiar. Starting in verse 13, he says, I'm the Lord. The God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. He's going back through the history of the patriarchs and he's saying, I was with Abraham, I was with Isaac, your grandfather and your father. And so I will be with you. And then he begins, God begins to give these blessings. He says, you're going to have offspring. You're going to have land. You're going to have blessing. This is all uh, territory that's been covered before in Genesis. Until he gets to verse 15. And then there's something new. Something that God has never said out loud in this way before to a person. And he says, behold, I am with you and I will keep you for I will not leave you. Do you hear that? Do you believe that? This is the great promise of the Bible. This great theme that we'll trace over the next four weeks where God says, I am with you. God with us. It's the word we need to hear in our loneliness, in our fear, in our anxiety, in our sadness. God is with us. And see what it causes in Jacob. He exclaimed. He sings out and he says, how awesome is this place. This is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. What he's saying is here in this place where I have seen this dream, where I have heard this voice, where God has proclaimed, I am with you. He's saying, this is where heaven and earth meet. This is where I begin to see God more clearly than I've ever seen him before. God with us. Wonderful promise. What I want you to understand is that what God says explicitly in Genesis 28, he's been saying all along in Genesis. This is the first place where he uses this phrase, I am with you. But it's just as God is with Jacob in this passage, so he was with Abraham, so he was with Adam and Eve, and so he is with you. God with us is the very song of creation. It's hardwired into all that God has made. I thought for a a minute about preaching this sermon from Genesis 1. Because God with us is present there too. In just a couple ways at creation, let me point out to you. God uh, creates, and on the, the last day of creation, he makes humankind And he makes them in his image, it says. We are made in the image of God. And embedded in that uh, metaphor is witness, is the witness of God. The best way to understand the image of God is to think about a mirror. That we, as humans, as humanity, are meant to mirror God. That is, as we look, into uh, uh, at God, what is reflected is His image in us. But a mirror only works when you're looking into it. When there's relationship, when we are with God, that's how we were designed to work. So being made in God's image, embedded in that is the with-usness of God. There's another place in Genesis three that makes this clear as well. This is immediately after Adam and Eve have sinned for the first time. And it says in Genesis 3.8, here's what it says, that Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking in the cool of the day. They had just sinned, they felt great shame, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day. And the way it's written there implies that this was normal, that this was God's habit. It implies relationship. It implies that God had done this before. God with his people. And this word that we translate cool, the the literal word there is uh, wind. And it's the same Hebrew word for spirit. So it's as though the spirit of God, God himself, was blowing through the garden And Adam and Eve knew his presence. You see, the spirit, the wind, the cool of the day was a sign. God with us. Why am I belaboring this point? Why am I emphasizing God with us from the start? Because I want you to know that God with us is written in our bones. It's literally breathed into us by God. It's in our souls. God with us. The reason Genesis, especially the first few chapters, are so important is it begins to lay out what's called human anthropology. That is, it helps us understand who we are. It tells us who we are. It tells us what we were created for. And we were created to be with God. God with And so when Thomas Wolfe says that the the central and undeniable feature of human existence is loneliness, he's right to a point. But there is something more central. There is something more fundamental about our anthropology. And it's that we were created to be with God and God with us. God is with us from the start. And yes, sin has spun this whole world off course. Sin has taken our hearts and left us feeling a fragile and frail. But the core of God with us has not disappeared. So God is with us from the start. We see it as far back as Genesis. I want to fast forward a little bit too and point out to you that Jacob's dream This vision that he has finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Actually, in the passage that Kelly read for us earlier in the service, John 1, it makes this very clear. Because there it says that God became flesh and dwelt among us god came down see jacob was given a vision of angels descending and ascending this ladder up to heaven but in christ himself in the incarnation in the whole reason we celebrate christmas we see the fulfillment of that promise of god coming down filled with grace and truth coming to where we are entering our loneliness entering our pain so that he could save us so that climactically, so that finally, so that fully, we would know that God is with us in the person of Jesus Christ. God is with us from the start. And because of that, we should begin to live differently. Specifically, we should be with others until the end god is with us from the start therefore we should be with others until the end what do i mean by that well let me explain if god is with us from the start then we can live as god with us people but we can say it even more strongly than that since god is with us from the start we ought to live As a God with us people. What does it mean to live as a a, a people who understand that God is with us? I want to give you just two things. One is going to be quick and the other I'm going to develop a little bit more. Two things that show that we are a God with us people. Here's the first one. Live full of faith and security. If God is with us, it ought to make you so secure in that truth. The fact that God was with you from the start. The fact that God is with us in Jesus Christ. It ought to give us security. I am struck by how often we walk around in our lives insecure and hollowed out. And I say we because it's me too. You probably experienced it this weekend. And if you didn't experience this weekend, you're going to with all the holiday parties coming up. You're going to walk into a room and you're going to freeze up and you're going to feel insecure. And scared. And afraid. And what do you do when that feeling comes? You reach for some source of security. We could call that an idol or a false god. Friends, when you walk into that room, when you're you're facing that situation, let me remind you of something. God is with you. God is with us from the start. It can flip our source of security. What would it be like If we shed all the other ways that we strive to find security and we walked into spaces, whether it's a living room or a sanctuary or an office party, and we believed that God was with us. In these words that he spoke to Jacob, he spoke to us too. I will keep you wherever you go, for I will not leave you until I have done all that I have promised you. We would be different people. So live with that security. There was a great uh, David Brooks article a couple of weeks ago in the New York Times. And he talked about this in kind of a roundabout way. He talked about two types of people. He said that there are people who are diminishers, who kind of steal joy and energy from other people, and there are illuminators. We can be illuminators if we live as a God with his people. Illuminators are the type of people who draw out the best in others because they are secure in themselves. He told this great anecdote about uh, uh, Bell Labs up in New Jersey, and, and uh, some managers were trying to figure out what was it that made their highest uh, performing employees so high performing. And they did some research and they traced it all back and they found out that all of these high performing people were spending time and having lunch with one guy named Harry Nyquist. And Harry Nyquist was an illuminator, he was secure in himself and he brought the best out of others. That's who we should be as Christians who know that God is with us. Here's the second thing that I think we should do. We should live imaging God's with-us-ness with others. Okay? Remember I talked about the image of God? As we are redeemed, as we are remade, we get to live out this image of God by living with other people. We take the God-with-us-ness to other people. And this is probably the part of the sermon where you have been habituated to kind of brace yourself a little bit, right? All sermons have this same structure where we, we talk a little bit about the Scripture and then we move to application. And often that application, you walk away feeling, I'm not doing this very well. I need to be better at this, right? And you walk away with sort of a checklist. I'm admitting this is, is often how I think about sermons, right? I want to tell you all this, City Church, You do this very well. You are so good at being with other people to the end. It's a great blessing to be a part of a community that is eager to do this. So I don't want to beat you up. I don't want to tell you of all the things you're doing wrong. I want to egg you on. I want to encourage you. I want to affirm you. You have done it, and keep doing it. Because as you do this, you are living out, Emmanuel, you are living out the truth that God is with us. Here's why it's so important, that people will begin to believe that God is with us when they see other people with them, walking through their hardship and their loneliness and their pain and their confusion. So do it, live this out with other people. There's a writer named Rebecca McLaughlin and I read a little essay by her last week. And in it, she's, uh, she's uh, married, she has three kids, uh, school-aged children, and she says in this little essay that when she goes to church, she hardly ever sits with her husband. That seems like an odd approach, right? until you understand that the reason she doesn't sit with her husband is that she's sitting with people who are sitting alone. She walks into the sanctuary and she looks for the the single woman or the widower or the college student, and she'll sit beside them because she knows how hard it is to walk into a space, a space like this, if you know you're going to be alone and reminded of that undeniable feature of human life there's another article that a friend of mine uh, forwarded to me this week and it's the same idea right this is uh, an article written by a man who's a widower he has three small children he's reflecting on how his church and how the church can be a support and he quotes the, the 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 bible verse that says weep with those who weep and he says you know what the most important word in that verse is with with you've got to be with people and as you are with people whether they're celebrating whether they're scared or whether they're weeping they will begin to see god with us through you why would we move towards grief and pain and sadness and hurt why Because our God is Emmanuel, God with us. He came to us when the night was long. He came to us when the depths were deep. And he rescued us. There are various ways that we try to live this out at City Church. Our small groups, our city groups are kind of the the first place where we can live with one another. So I encourage you to be in a city group. I encourage you to share your pain and your sorrow with that group because they will show you a with us God. This fall we also introduced and I talked a few months ago about our elder shepherding groups. So every member of this church has been assigned to an elder, one of the lay leaders of our church. And we have a responsibility to pray for you and to care for you and to love you, to be with you know that that's a resource for you there's another level that uh, because we believe in this so much because we're serious about this we have what's called a shepherding committee here at City Church and that's made up of some staff members myself and Harrison and our women's ministry director Meg it's made up of some elders like Stephen Kling and then it's made up of a lot of members people like you men and women who have some special experience either in medicine or in counseling, but mostly they have experience in life and in pain and in sorrow and in brokenness. And the whole purpose of the shepherding committee is for us to live out with us And I want you to be aware of that and we'll share more about it in the future, but the reason you need to know about the shepherding committee is that these are people that you can go to when you feel alone, you can reach out to them. Sometimes you have something going on, you don't want to call a pastor, or email a pastor. And there's some situations in your life that, quite frankly, these other people are much better to equip to help you with than I am. The shepherding committee is there for you. David and Kelly Blanchard are on that committee, and Carl Meyer and Mike Rawls, and Tracy and Grant Woodfin, and Christine Burma, and Julie Davis, they all want to live out God's with usness with you. Why do we do it? We do it because it's the heartbeat of the Bible. It's this refrain that echoes from the very first page to the very last page, that when we feel alone, When we feel overwhelmed when we feel as though it's all up to us god speaks in a dream to jacob or in the incarnation of his son jesus christ and he says i am with you i am with you i am with you let's pray gracious father in heaven We thank you today that you have not turned your back on us and that you never will. Would you help us today to believe in this great promise that you have made to Jacob and made to us and that you have kept for us through Jesus, your son. This season of Advent, help us all to reflect on what it means that God is with us and how to live in light of that truth. We pray this.